listening to the Bay Christian Family Church podcast. Praise God as you see that open your Bible at John chapter 17. We have been talking about the integrity of God's Word. The integrity of God's Word. So we are talking about how important God's Word is in our lives. God has given His Word. Uh, we've seen from our previous days, for those that may have missed it, I think today is part three already. I really want to encourage you to go back on the podcast and listen to it again, because we looked from Scripture. Someone says, how can you believe the Word of God? The Word of God is who God is. The Bible tells us very clearly that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word of God is not just a book. It is literally God Himself. God sent His Word to heal. He sent Jesus to the earth. The Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And the Bible says that He upholds all things by the Word of His power. The very creation that exists came forth by faith. We understand that God produced all that we see. And Jesus Himself is the one that was part of that. So the Father had a desire for this earth. Jesus, as the word, released it, and it was spoken. And every time God said, let anything, whatever he created be, it became a living and uh, manifested existence that we can see it brought out of the realm of the supernatural into this realm of the natural. And then Jesus still upholds that all by the word of his power. And God holds that word higher than his very own name. He keeps that word in place at all times. And it's very important to God that we understand how strong that integrity is. Why is it that the enemy works so hard to discredit God? Why is it? Think about that. Why would God, you think right back to the Garden of Eden, the very first temptation that Adam experiences, that he encounters the enemy, the devil himself brings the accusation, did God really say? Are you sure? From the beginning, the enemy has tried to show God to be a liar. The moment something goes wrong in our lives, somehow he wants to blame God. God said this, and look at that. That happened. Are you sure God's telling you the truth? And why is it that he works so hard to try and expose God as a liar. Why would he do that? Well, doesn't the Bible call the devil the father of lies? The moment he can show God in any area to have lied, he becomes the father of God. And the thing with that is, if anything is ever exposed, if God's ever found to be a liar somewhere, then everything else can be held in question. And if all of creations upheld by this word of integrity, and any of it can be shown to be a lie, then the very existence can be questioned of anything. And everything would just crumble and fade and disappear into nothing. And so God has made it his priority that if he ever speaks a word, he will be held to that word for eternity. He himself put himself in that position. 
That's why you hear him say things like, now, have I said and will I not do? If you call, I will answer. Test me now in this, if I'll not open the windows of heaven. What's he saying? You can take my word and stand on it, because if I am a God of integrity and I've ever said anything, you can believe me for it. Hallelujah. Come on, give Jesus praise. If this is stirring your heart. And Jesus is now praying. He is about to leave the earth. He's heading towards the cross to fulfill the reason he's on the planet. And he goes before the Father and he prays here in John chapter 17. Look at verse 4. He says to God, he says to his Father, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work you've given me to do. Isn't that interesting? So we know when he gets to the cross, that's his final work because it's on the cross that he says, it is finished. So that is the work of the Father to make sure Jesus is in the right place to take all of sin. Jesus' fulfillment is on the planet. And what did he say? He said things like, this is the reason I've come, to destroy the work of the enemy. This is the reason I came, to seek and save that which was lost. And how did he do it? All the way through his whole ministry. If you watch what he does, the Bible says there's two major things that you see show up every time Jesus is somewhere and in some kind of ministry. One, he taught the kingdom of God. And two, he healed all who were present. He taught the kingdom of God and he healed all who were present. Why? Because he doesn't want anybody hurting or struggling under the curse of the law. He came to destroy the curse and get it out of your life. If there's anything that the enemy tries to bring against you, it is not God's best. He wants you delivered from that, and he's provided the way to do it. And how does he do it? By teaching the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is as if. The kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is when. And you study out the words of Jesus, and you find out it's constantly based in what God has said about his kingdom. It is written, you've heard it said, I say. And he gives the word and he establishes how tradition has tried to manipulate and change what God originally said. And Jesus brings it back to his intention of that word. His intention of that word. And so now he gets to the point where he says, now I've done that. I have told this earth, I've told my disciples, I've prepared them with your word. Now he says, I've, I've, I've put that in them. I've taken enough time to insert this word into their lives. Look at verse 20. He says, yeah, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through this word. So you, sometimes people get the impression this prayer was just for the disciples. But you notice he says there, I don't just pray for my disciples yeah. I'm praying for those who will believe in me through their word. Let me see how many of us here today are born again. Can I see your hand? You saved? Now, how did you get saved? You had to have heard the gospel. The Bible says that by the hearing of the word, faith comes. And by grace you saved how? By faith. So you had to have heard the word of the gospel. Well, how did you hear the word of the gospel? Somebody said it to you. Isn't that right? You heard a preacher, 
uh, an evangelist, somebody, maybe a friend led you to the Lord. But how did they know what to do? Well, someone must have told them. Someone led them to Jesus. Isn't that right? Well, how did that person get saved? You, can you see where I'm going? So as that person got saved, then they got saved through somebody, and that person got saved through someone else, and that person got saved through, and you can track it right back to one of those disciples that are sitting there while he's praying. You are a descendant of whether it is Matthew, Mark, Luke, pick one, because you, we, we can't say yes or no. But they led somebody to Jesus. That led someone to Jesus, that led someone to Jesus, that eventually led you to the Lord. And even if somebody says, well, no one actually led me to the Lord, I read it in the Bible. Well, who wrote that? One of them. So you're getting what I'm saying. No matter how you got saved, you got it from the word of these around. So if you got saved... You did it because you believed in Jesus through the word that came from one of those disciples. Amen. You're seeing that. So what, what am I saying here? This prayer, while Jesus is praying that, he's already thought of you 2,000 years later. Come on, give Jesus praise if you got that. So just bump your name and say, look at this. Jesus is praying for me right here. Now tell them, and he's praying for you as well. Amen. You ready for it? Well, let's go and look at verse 13. What did he pray? He says, Now I come to you, Father, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. God wants you filled with joy. Hallelujah. Yes, amen. I said, God wants you filled with joy. Like someone said, but pastor, that enjoys the fruit of the Spirit, and i got joy in my spirit. But you can see their faces. And I said, well, send your face a memo, because you, know, you need to update the software. <laughs> you need to start looking a little smilier. Amen. One place you need to be happy is in church. Amen. And so praise God. He said, yeah, that your joy may be full. Hallelujah. Verse 14, I have given them your word. Now the world has hated them because they're not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I mean, there's a real move happening, and I believe it's a work of the enemy. We've got to be cautious. We don't allow it to creep in. The more that we try and be like the world in order to be accepted means we move away from the gospel. We are supposed to be different. I said we're supposed to be different. I didn't say be obnoxious. I said be different. We're not supposed to be judgmental. That's why I'm not talking about that type of different. But we need to be set apart. People need to see your life different to what the rest of the world is living. What is up with you? You're always smiling. There's always, you're always happy. You're, things are always working out for you. I've, I've watched your life, and you get hit with all kinds of junk, and you just come up on top every time. What is it that's in your life that we don't understand? We need to be different. 
Now those that are different, those of the world that don't understand that, either they will be drawn to know Jesus, or if the enemy is still working in their lives, he's going to make sure they don't stop to listen to you. And so he will use every opportunity to try and discredit you. I don't understand. Ever since I've been going to that church, no one wants to be my friend. Hello? The world will hate us because of the gospel. We're not trying to be liked. I said, I'm not trying to be liked. If I have to compromise the word to be liked by someone, I've lost the power of that gospel. I need to say it the way God said it, because the gospel is sufficient in itself. The gospel is the power to salvation. Sometimes we hear things we don't like, but when we look back on it, we knew we had to hear it. Because I needed God to move in my life to make the adjustment. And so, family God, be confident in the knowledge that you are different. And the world will hate us because of that. But you keep interceding because God will move in their hearts to a point where they recognize there is no other way. And they will want to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior as well. Look at verse 15. I do not pray that you take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Now, family, that should answer one very clear question. How many people, when they get into trouble, say, Oh, Lord Jesus, just come. Please come. Come. Just come now. That violates Jesus' prayer. If Jesus just came today, we can go to heaven and just leave all this junk behind. Sometimes we're in so much trouble and problems, we think, well, well, even if the rest of the people want to stay, at least I'm going. I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. That would violate that prayer. He says, Jesus prayed, don't take them out. Come on. I mean, I've said it before, but for those that haven't heard it, it seems like if God's only plan was to get you to heaven, if that was his only plan, was to get you into heaven. Seems like the best thing to do. The moment you have an altar call. Someone puts their hand up. And they say. And I lead them in the prayer. Lord I call you my Lord. My Savior. I believe you're alive. And I believe I'm born again. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Those people disappear. Just leave Pastor Allen behind. The rest all go. The church will always be empty. Only unsaved people. Seems like that, because you don't want the person to backslide. I mean, you know people have given their lives to Jesus and have since backslidden. So to prevent that, just take them off the earth before the devil can get a hold of them. No, that's not God's plan. God's plan is not just for you to live in heaven for eternity. His desire is for you to be with Him forever. But your eternity doesn't start when you leave this planet. It starts the day you give your life to Jesus. Now that you're born again, Jesus saying, don't take them out of this world. But Jesus knows you're living in an environment where there is an enemy. He understands it. He's been tempted in all things and yet without sin. And so he says, the same way I've been tempted in all things, they are also going to be tempted. But I'm praying that you protect them. 
from the evil one. Well, then why does God not do that? How come I see that? Hang in there, tiger. We're busy. Just we're going to get there. He says, yeah, keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Again, how many of you are born again? Keep the hand up and say this. The day I gave my life to Jesus, the old man passed away. The new man was born again, born in Christ. It's now no longer I who lives. It's Christ who lives in me. You are born as Christ. I didn't say you're born as Jesus. I said you're born as Christ. People think Christ is Jesus' surname. No. Christ means the anointed one. You are born as an anointed one. You are part of the body of Christ. That's why the word says you're a co-heir, a joint heir, not a sub-heir. Whatever Jesus inherited, you inherited. So literally, when you read the Bible, if you see anything said about Jesus, you can say, that's me too. Whatever Jesus said, I am, you can say, me too. You're getting this. So now, he says, yeah, they're not of the world, just as I am not of the world. He puts you in the same category as himself. So he's saying now, they're going to stay here. I'm going, but they're going to stay. I'm asking you to look after them. Now, this is how he's going to do it. I'm not of the world. Look at verse 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. What does sanctify mean? It means to set apart. They are living in a world that is hell-bent. And I use that word in the literal sense. It's, it, it is doing everything to get you to hell. It is hell-bent on destroying the word that's in our lives. But Jesus says, if you take the word of truth, it'll set you apart from that. In other words, no matter how the storm is raging around you, when you find yourself on the solid rock of hearing his word and doing it, you are protected from that storm. No matter what temptation, I don't know why the devil keeps, I just can't help it, the devil made me do it. No, 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 no. The only way the devil succeeded in getting us anything to do is because we stepped off the word. As long as Jesus came up with, it is written, the enemy couldn't do anything. As long as Jesus responded with the word, not with, please stop this, I can't take anymore. And he said, it is written. It is written. The word is what set Jesus apart. And he says, that's how you're going to do it. I'm asking you to set them apart. How? By your truth. Your word is truth. Your word is truth. Now listen to verse 18. As you sent me into the world. 
What was he sent to the world for? He sent his word to heal. He sent his word to deliver. As you sent me into the world. To destroy the work of the enemy. To seek and save that which was lost. As you sent me into the world. You sent me to preach the kingdom of God. You sent me to heal those who are broken hearted. Those who are sick. Those who are destroyed. You sent me to deliver. You've anointed me to preach good news to the poor. You sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovery of sight of the blind, to set at liberty those that are oppressed, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. As you sent me, I send them into the world. Into the world. I just got through saying in the world it's evil. This isn't talking about the Christian world. I'm sending them into the world amongst the wolves. Pastor Alan, please pray for me. I need a new job. Why? Everybody there swears and does ugly things and looks at wrong. I'm not praying for you to come out of that. Jesus prayed for you to go in there. Now I must break his prayer. I must pray against my Savior. No, he sent you in there. He sent you there. I just can't handle it. Well, are you on the word of truth? You're established on the truth, family of God. Yeah, but I can't stand the language. Hey, listen. If you're strong in truth, I've had people, they didn't know I was a pastor, and they talked to me, and I mean, it's like four out of the five words are swear words. <laughs> have you ever been in a conversation like that? And I just look at it. And then sometimes I have a disciple with me, and when we go, and they say, how do you manage to listen to that? Because I'm sanctified. It's like, if it's raining... You don't care how heavy the rain is. If you've got a raincoat on, an umbrella, you can stand in that rain and you don't get wet. See, I don't let that stuff inside of me because i got enough of the truth that withstands that. Amen. Like, you know how big I am on the word, don't use lucky. Isn't that right? And so people that know that, they'll say, be blessed wherever you go. But sometimes I have someone say, well, now, good luck, Pastor Alan. <laughs> I'm blessed. I don't, you know, I, that doesn't bother me. Yeah. Amen. Someone, uh, you can get the witchiest of witches <laughs> standing in front of me. This, this is the one that trained all the witches. And they can look me and say, I curse you, and, 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 and throw stuff at me, and, 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 and curse, and now you're going to die, and in six months you're going to, in two weeks you're going to have this, and boils, and, 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 and I go, hmm, I got my raincoat on, I got my, it doesn't touch me. Yeah, but I heard my neighbor cursed me, so you, I found something on my stoop, on my patio. It's, it's a piece of hair. It's a piece of stuff. It's thrown in the bin. Yeah, but you know what it is. I got the word of truth. That's what sets you apart. Come on, give Jesus praise if you're getting that. So he has sent you into the world for a reason. As you sent me into the world. I've sent them. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself 
that they may also be sanctified by the truth. How are you sanctified? By the truth. See, family of God, this word that we have, when God says that He wants to uphold the word higher than His own name, you've got to understand, the word of God, when you talk about the word, we're not even talking about the word of a human or something written in, in, in information. The word that we have received, the Bible says, is incorruptible seed. Incorruptible seed. Write this down. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. You are born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. How? Through the word of God, which lives. See, the word of God is not just a sound. The word of God lives and abides forever. So the very fact that you are born again means the incorruptible seed. What does incorruptible seed mean? Well, if you take a normal seed and uh, it can lie around for a long time, as long as it's protected, it's fine. But if you get a little damp on that seed, a little wet before it gets in the soil, it can begin to start germinating, but there's nothing to, to hook into because it's not in soil. And eventually it realizes it can't grow. It's going to die. And if that seed's been through that process, a little bit of rot, a little bit of pre-germination, uh, whatever, and then you take it and try and plant it, it won't work because it's been corrupted. But the Word of God, no matter where it goes, it can be spoken into the most vilest, worst, terrible situations. If you drop a Word of God seed into someone who's a sinner, outright, hates God, and you say something and they reject it right there, you can walk away knowing that seed has been planted. It is in there, and it's incorruptible seed, and I don't care how long it takes, whether it's now or 10 years' time, that word will come up. I may not be the one that leads them to the Lord, but if I keep praying and interceding and watching that word, I don't care how long it takes, it will grow. It will grow. It will produce. Look at you. Some of us sitting here know how to sin, and we did it good. And yet, yeah, you are born again. Some of us were like the worst of racists. And now you love everybody. You can't hug enough people. You can't wait to see them. Used to lose your temper, get angry and vile. Now you're this gentle joy and, and, and so wonderful. And when they hear you test me and they go, you never. Full of love and joy and peace. What happened? A word, incorruptible seed got into you where, where people that loved you and, and try to pray for you and try to lead you to the Lord and bring you to church. Lord, ah, they are lost case. That's never going to happen. Look at that. The word still got you here. I say the word still got you here. Now that same word is still at work. Some of you know if it was up to anything else, you'd never have gone put your foot in the church. And yet, yeah, you are. What kind of miracle? That's the greatest miracle you could ever imagine. What's, what's with a, a disease or some financial problem or something in the marriage? That same word is working. That same word. You can stand on that word as much as you can. That that word got you saved. Took you out of a world of destruction into his kingdom. That same word is still healing you and still delivering you and still setting you free. Come on, someone give your Lord Jesus some praise today. Amen. Hallelujah. 
Look at James 1 verse 18. Of his own will, he brought us forth. How? By the word of truth. By the word of truth. That we are a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Lift your hand and say that the word of truth got me saved. That same word is planted within me with everything I need to fulfill his commands, his callings, and his instructions. Family, if God calls you to anything, you already have the ability. I know what that feels like. When he asked me, he said, take this word and teach it. When I asked him, why are more people not teaching this word? He says, would you? At that time, I was nothing near what I thought a pastor should be. I had a great career ahead of me. And my idea of pastors was that, uh, you know, most people go and get good jobs and have some ambition and they want to get on in life. And those that don't, well, shame, we'll let them run the church. That was my impression. Everybody who ran the church were broke, busted, and disgusted, but they're doing it for Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> not that uh, God bless them. I'm glad that people like that, but that's not me. And yet God's calling me to it. So what happened? I, if He's calling me, then it must be in there. Amen. That capacity must be there. And I trusted that. I learned early on in the integrity of God's word. If he calls you, you have the ability. Think about as you grow up. How many of us here are married and have children? I see married first, then children. Now, I don't have anything against someone who's already have children. I'm just, I want to get a process here. So, once you're born again, I strongly encourage you to get married first. Before you even do what's necessary for children. Okay. That's not my message. That just it got there. So, but here's what I'm saying. Before we had children, and then you find out your wife's pregnant. Have you ever been through that where you go, I don't know if I'm ready. I, I don't know how to raise children. I, you know, I watched my mom do it, but you know, I've seen other people. But me? But you notice when that child is born, the capacity shows up. See, I didn't have to be a father till my first child was born. But the moment my first child is born, the capacity for father was already there. No one had to come put hands on me to make me now a father. It just showed up when that was necessary. That same child grew up. Amen. And so when I first, as I said before that, when I got married, I didn't know how to be a husband. But when I got married, the graceful husband showed up. Then father. And then somebody once said to me, one day when you have a child, a grandchild, you are, I can't tell you what it's like to be a grandfather until that child arrives. And I didn't know what they meant by that. But when that first grandchild comes, there's a new capacity. You notice that? When I was called and set apart as a pastor... The grace showed up. What am I saying? Everything that God needs you to do, every calling that is placed in you, no matter what it is, if God gives you an instruction, I don't care how big it seems, how impossible it seems, how whether this is even you or not, 
If God calls you to it, don't check the bank account. Don't check your education. Know this. If God's called you, His Word has placed that grace, that grace inside of you. The same way people thought you will never get saved. That Word got you saved. That same Word will do the miracles that you need in your life. That same Word will produce the provision you have necessity of in order to carry out God's instruction. That same word is what's causing those gifts to manifest and show up in your life. One word from God contains the full power of God. It's not like the whole Bible is the word of God and you get a pie piece of it. Every word spoken from God's mouth contains His full power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So God has left us in this world to fulfill our calling. But gives us the privilege of being separated from the world. Hallelujah. See, family of God, when I say the word of God, what do you hear? See, you say to some people, the word of God, and they think of a black book. This is the word of God. Well, if I said the word of Alan, what would you think? You don't think of a book. The word of, the word of Pastor Sam. What do you think of? I mean, you don't even think of the person. If I say the word of Alan, you don't think of Alan. You immediately go to character. What does he do? What he says. Isn't that right? Now, I can write it down. If I say, if I buy something, I'm going to buy a piece of property, and I will make sure you get the money in time for the property. That's my word. You can do that on a handshake. And I know if I shake my hand, I'll swear to my own hurt. But some people may say, well, no, first write it down. Okay. But I can write it down confidently. Why? Because it's backed by my word. The moment you put that signature on the paper, what's that? That's your word. It's not just the signature. It is the, the, what you've said. You are held accountable. And so if I don't do what I said, you can take me to a court of law and they can say, it is written. That it is written is not because it's written on the paper. It's you said. This paper proves it. You've got to get to where I'm going with this. The paper proves what you said. Your word is what's important. It's, it's what you spoke. Now, God is a God of integrity. And when he said it, he made sure it's even written down. And he signed and sealed it in the blood of Jesus. His signature is the blood of Jesus. So when you go to God, he says, remind me of my word. He's not saying, hold a book in my face. I said, and will I not do it? And family of God, you can take, it is written as your promise, sealed in the blood of Jesus. That if God said it, you can stand on it. Hallelujah. 
Look at verse 31. John 8 verse 31. And Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word. What's abide mean? Now, King James Version puts there, If you continue. If you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed. You will be just like me. You will become like me. And you will know the truth. And that truth will make you free. Now I want you to see how Jesus qualifies this. He says, don't take them out the world. I'm sending them into the world. The way you sent me. Now I pray that you keep them from the evil one. What's going to keep you from the evil one? The word of truth. Now this word of truth. How's it going to protect you? Because God, he's saying, God keep them from the evil one. Well, God, why haven't you done that? The word is going to keep you. Well, hallelujah, I've got a Bible. No, hang on there. He says, if you abide, if you continue in the truth, what's that mean? We have to take that truth and put it on the inside of us. We have to learn that truth. The tr the, you shall know the truth. And the truth will make you free. What truth? The truth that you know. See, a lot of people quote the last part of that verse. The truth will make you free. Um, you've probably heard even there's, there's movies where they use, you know, court of law. And you see how those lawyers, they get up in the face of the accused, you know, and they, and they barrage them. They hit them question after question after question. They accuse them. And they're trying to break the person down. And when they rethink, they, okay, they're at breaking point. And then they shout now, just tell the truth. The truth will make you free. I go, no, if he tells the truth now, he's going to prison, man. <laughs> so that verse is misquoted there. That's not what it's meant to say. Just tell the truth. You'll always be free. How you know there's some things you, you, you just don't, you're not lying, but you just don't say now. Come on, how, how many of you, you know what I'm talking about? What's this talking about? It's the truth of God's word. The truth of God's word. But you can only be free to the capacity of the truth you know. You can only receive from God to the level of the word you know. But once you know the truth, you can stand on that truth. The devil keeps attacking me. Well, find out the truth on that issue. Why has he got a hold right there? How come we keep tripping on that point? Go to the Word. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you. He said, Jesus said, He'll remind you of what you've been taught. He'll teach you all things. And you meditate on that Word. You find the Scripture that sets you free from that situation. And then put that Word in you. Start to speak that Word. And every time that temptation shows up, you lift your hand and say, It is written. I take that thought captive. And the Word of God says... And you hold to that truth. And you keep speaking that truth. And maybe you don't see a change today. Maybe you're tempted five times more tomorrow. Because now what's the enemy doing? He wants to say, did God, did God. You, you spoke the truth. Now where's God now? No, you just keep thanking God. Father, you said it is written. It is written. Thank you. I praise you. It is written. You keep working. What's happening? That incorruptible seed is growing. It's growing. 
it's growing. And what will happen? The day that will come when that thing will burst into fruit, suddenly you'll, you'll notice, I'm free. I'm free. I haven't had the thought of that all day. You, you go to bed that nothing. I haven't even thought. I'm, I'm done. It's, it's over. I am free. What happened? You are set apart. You've been sanctified. And you are now walking in the fullness of his word. Come on, give Jesus praise for his word. Hallelujah. You get something this morning? Let's stand to our feet. Raise your hand to the Lord and say, Today I've heard the word of God. I received that word. And as I've heard the word of God, faith has come to my heart. And I am a believer, not a doubter. As a hearer of God's word, I'm also a doer. And I thank you, Father. Your word has sanctified me. Your word is truth. You uphold that word. You watch over that word. That word is working in my heart. And I believe that you've given me everything I need to walk in the full capacity you've called me to. Every instruction, every calling, it's already inside of me. And as I read your word and study your word, speak your word, believe your word, that is incorruptible seed working in my heart, sanctifying me, setting me apart, protecting me from the evil of this world, that I can continue in joy and see your word working, that I can see others come to know you as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God, praise God, praise God.